What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where we post out all of our new podcast articles, different news and notes, and all of our baseball content, at E-T-H-O-S-FantasyBB on Twitter. If you guys are not on Twitter as much, understandable, of course, with all the weird changes that have been made, the site is essentially a different site at this point. If you guys are not on there anymore, or maybe you never were on there at all, you can go right to the source at sportsethos.com and get all the same content just by hovering over the MLB tab on the, on the homepage. Now, we are going to go over a couple of things that have happened in terms of news and notes. I'm going to go over my own notes that I made throughout this weekend, and we're going to talk about one or two viable starting pitchers who will be going tomorrow. One of them is a two-start. There's a couple. It's, it's honestly not a great day for streaming tomorrow. If you're listening on Tuesday morning, I'm, this is coming out a little bit later in the day on Monday. You guys are likely listening early Tuesday, maybe thinking about your ads. I don't know that I'd necessarily be using any ads on pitching streams for Tuesday. We're going to get into that at the end, though. And we're going to start off with a bit of news and notes. And we are going to play the bagpipes for this first one because it is brutal. O'Neill Cruz. Oh, man, he has fractured his ankle, and he is expected to be out until mid-August. They're saying roughly four months is the timeline for O'Neill Cruz, and it makes it very challenging to figure out what to do with him. I think you hold him if you have IL spots. You know, we're talking about a player who is very capable of giving you top 50 fantasy production when he's healthy. You've seen it this year so far. He's been very good. He was only 8 for 32, so a 250 batting average, but he already had a home run. He'd driven in four runs, stolen three bases. He'd scored seven times already as well. Uh, he was on his way to a great season. I have him in a couple of different leagues. I have him in my 10-team home league on Yahoo where there are IL, are there are IL spots, so it, it makes sense for me to just put him on the IL. You don't have to go out of your way to drop him. Like I, I've seen 7% of leagues drop him in Yahoo. He's down to 91, I guess, you know, 7 8% because he was a 99% guy. I guess those are leagues that don't have IL spots because if you do have IL, there's no reason not to just stick him on there. Maybe he beats the timeline a little bit, you know, maybe he doesn't. But at this point, you kind of have to just be optimistic about it and say, okay, I'm going to hold O'Neill Cruz. We'll get by in the meantime without him, and he'll come back for a playoff push, for a fantasy playoff push because there won't be any playoff pushes for, for the Pirates, specifically not now. Um, but I wouldn't be dropping him unless you have no IL spots, and then it becomes a lot trickier. You probably have to. Uh, the other league where I have him is a drafted hold, so there's no moves in season there anyway. Uh, it's made it kind of tricky to figure out how to get my lineup going uh, without O'Neill Cruz. I've moved Jorge Mateo over to short and figured out a different utility guy, but I'm not dropping him is the, is the end of story here, unless you absolutely have to. If you have no IL spots, then it's almost impossible to hold on to him. You're going to be setting your lineups for probably 15 weeks or so with no O'Neill Cruz and having to just put him on the bench. It's doable if you wanted to try and get by, you know, depending on who else gets injured for your team, maybe he's the only guy. Maybe O'Neill Cruz is the only, and he's the only real guy that's been hurt on any of my teams so far this year. I've gotten pretty lucky. You know, guys have been banged up a little bit here and there, missed a game. But for the most part, O'Neill Cruz is my only injured player. So I am, I'm in no rush to drop him. Maybe the injury bug continues to come to my team and your teams. And in that case, you may have no choice considering the long timeline. But if you can, he is well worthy of a roster spot if you are able to hold on. Uh, specifically, of course, with IL. It's very situation dependent, league dependent. But if you can hold on to him, uh, try, try and do what you can to keep O'Neill Cruz on the roster. Because Lord knows he'll be picked up 
Uh, if you drop them, and later on, it might be later on in the year, it might be, you know, depending on if you have waivers or fab, someone will use their number one waiver priority. Someone will use half of their fab. There'll be crazy kind of bids going on for O'Neill Cruz if he is dropped. So a lot of things to consider, but it's, of course, it's up to you guys, but see what you can to try and hold on. This one's tough as well because we've been touting this guy up on the show, on Twitter. I've been tweeting about him almost every single day, it feels like. Adam Duvall, fractured left wrist. They do not have, according to the update I'm seeing right here from Roto World, they do not have a timeline for him just yet, but it's going to be for a while. This one is brutal for the Red Sox, for fantasy managers. Duvall, in 33 at-bats, had 15 hits. He already had 25 runs in RBIs combined. 25 of them. 11 runs, 14 ribbies, 4 home runs and a 455 batting average. That was obviously not going to sustain to that pace, but Adam Duvall had been one of the hottest pickups all across fantasy. I picked him up in one league. Uh, I say thank you for your service, and, you know, obviously you don't have to drop him, but he's somebody where I don't know if the upside is high enough to hold through what's likely going to be a fairly extended absence. I don't know, um, you know, if it's really going to be worth it considering he's – He's going to probably be more like regular Adam Duvall when he comes back, and maybe even then, who knows, because I believe this is the same wrist uh, that he had surgery on last year. So maybe he does come back and the, you know it just zaps him of power and his ability to swing the bat. There's a lot to worry about in that particular situation. We're not coming from a high, high point of value like O'Neill Cruz where you can justify holding in a lot of cases. Of course, if the same kind of general principle applies. If you have nobody in the IL spot, in the IL spot uh, right now, Adam Duvall does make sense to just stick on there and say, okay, I'll wait and see. Again, if there's more injuries, if a ton more guys get injured, you might have to drop. But I'm not rushing to drop him, but he's also not somebody where I'm saying you need to be holding on because when he comes back, he's still going to be an elite player. It was an elite run. Uh, We might have to just thank him for his service, though, and move on in a lot of cases. Certainly, if you have no IL spots, you're probably going to be moving on. They haven't really, they haven't set a timeline here. I'm not sure if it's going to need surgery or what's this, what's this going to be, but you're I'm assuming here, I think six weeks probably. Uh, I'm not, I'm not a doctor by any means. I've broken a wrist before. I think it's like six weeks, maybe two months. So uh, again, if you have no reason to go out of your way and drop them, if you have IL spots, then put them on the IL. But at this point, uh, it's not looking great for Adam Duvall if you have shares of him, which a lot of people do because he's been one of the hottest pickups. He went from about 30% rostered. His ADP was, I think, in the 230s on Yahoo to up to 83% rostered now. And that's with you know people moving on from him over the last day or so. Uh, it's real tough. It is real, real tough to hold on to him without IL spots. But, of course, you do what you can. He did get off to a fantastic start. There is a chance he comes back, and he is just as good. And he just has some more, you know, I don't know, different mentality this year or something, and it's not a physical thing. Well, obviously, it's way too soon to tell exactly how this will impact him, but we have to just kind of kind of wait and see. Again, once more, if you have no IL spots, I think Adam Duvall is a drop. If you do have the IL spots, I would stick him on there and just see uh, how, the, how the season unfolds for you. Let's talk about Andres Munoz. He is now on the 15-day IL. They say he could start throwing this week. He has a deltoid strain in his throwing shoulder. Not good. Uh, this is retroactive to April the 8th going on the IL, so it's going back a couple days now. Um, it sucks, but at the same time, he hasn't been... I mean, he got the first save, right? He got the first save opportunity. Since then, it's been Paul Seawald, so it, it's going to sting you for a little bit, for a week or two, um, but 
it's not like you're missing out on the saves. You're missing out more so on ratios, which is you can get by at this point of the year. Uh, you know, if he was the closer, if he was the guy getting everyday saves, that would concern me a lot more because it just gives an opportunity for somebody else to kind of show off and get, you know, maybe it's hard to, to outperform what Munoz does typically. But going out, if he had been in the closer role, more of a chance for Seawald, more of a chance for guys like Matt Brash, who we'll talk about in a second, then it would be different. But in, in this situation here, you put him on the IL, uh, Seawald was getting the saves, you're going to miss out on... At the end of the day, a couple of weeks of Munoz is probably going to be five, six innings with like 10 strikeouts. You know, it's maybe a win, maybe a save, but it's not the end of the world for me. Uh, I've become bigger on Seawald recently. I mean, I'm still a huge Munoz fan, so it's hard to even say. But the guy getting the majority of the saves uh, is typically who I'm going to go with. Munoz still has value, of course, but it doesn't sting quite as much as if Munoz was getting the everyday uh, save opportunity. It's kind of weird they went to him opening day. I forget what the lineup situation was. It was probably the more high leverage situation. Um, but in terms of like a potential pickup here or anything like that, I think it would probably be Matt Brash if it's going to be anybody. And even in that situation, I probably wouldn't be doing it. He blew a save uh, yesterday uh, with Seawall get the day off and Munoz injured. They gave it to Brash and he blew a save opportunity for them. So I'm not sure he's the guy uh, that you'd really want to be picking up. He can give you some fill-in strikeouts if that's what you're looking for in replacement of Munoz. But I'd probably just stick with Seawald if you need like a closer pickup. There are some guys who are probably more widely available uh, than they should be. Alex Lang I talked about yesterday. He's pretty widely available, but I'm not too certain of his role if he is actually going to have uh, the closer role. Carlos Estevez is available in a lot of leagues. Uh, depending on how big your league is, Jorge Lopez is available in a lot of 10-team leagues I've seen. There are still options out there. Michael Fulmer as well. Uh, you can get saves if you're trying to replace not even the saves that Munoz is giving you, but just get another relief pitcher in there. You certainly have more options than just going with Matt Brash. Even though that might be where the brain goes immediately. It's where mine went immediately. Uh, you know, you get another pitcher on the same team who has the same kind of strikeout upside, but... I'd probably leave him alone. I don't think he's going to get many save opportunities, and he is a little bit too volatile uh, for my liking on most days. Those are the big pieces of news. Now I'm going to go through my news and notes that I made over the course of the weekend. At least from Saturday's games, we'll start off with Michael Waka. He gave the Braves the business over six innings. Shutout ball, 10 strikeouts, a 35% CSW, and one walk. I don't think he's a 12-team guy. The strikeouts are not going to be there on a consistent basis. He's like a 21% career strikeout guy. It's not really going to be. Uh, I, this is probably the only time we're going to see double-digit strikeouts from Michael Waka. Uh, the only thing that really leans me towards you know, going back to that well in the future is a good team context. you know, And he can be okay. So I think he's a streamable option. And even in 10-team leagues, if there's a very good option, a good matchup, let's say, Colorado's coming into town, or there's, you know, whoever. And he did this against the Braves, which is fantastic, but I'm not going to be banking on that consistently. But if Colorado comes into town like they did first game of the year, or if it's, you know, Pittsburgh or Oakland or one of those teams, even doesn't necessarily have to be a bottom feeder team, but like a bottom third kind of team, I could see Michael Walker being an interesting stream, but he's not a must-roster player for me. He's 21% owned on Yahoo, and I'm just not there that he's somebody who would be a mainstay on your roster, even if you were to add him up. Now, one of my notes from Saturday, of course, was about Adam Duvall, so we don't have to go through that one. Uh, a very unfortunate situation when something like this happens because he had been the number two overall fantasy player uh, to this point in the season. Actually, let me see 
who is number one? Is it still Brian Anderson? I doubt it's Brian Anderson. It's Oh, it's Brian Reynolds. That makes sense. Brian Reynolds has been on fire. He is the number one overall player. Uh, but Duvall, the number two guy, very much stings to lose him from your lineups, but we'll move on. We've already spent enough time on Adam Duvall. Sean Manaya had a really good first start of the year against the Royals. It was six innings, eight strikeouts, one earned run. He also hit a batter and walked one, uh, but he had a 32% CSW. Really good stuff in that game. It was kind of odd to see him come out of the pen in the first game, and I don't really love the way they've used Manaya and Stripling with this. You know, Each of them has made a relief appearance. Each of them made a starting appearance. I wish they would just put them in the damn rotation and let it be that. I think it'll probably be the case with Manaya. I don't think he's going to be used out of the pen consistently. Stripling is much more likely to be used in that kind of role because that's what he's done for the last several years in Toronto. He's been kind of a spot starter coming out of the pen here and there and opener. He can fill a lot of roles, even at a save last year. Uh, Stripling can fill a lot of roles where Manaya is a starter and he should be in the rotation every five or six days, however often they want to throw him out there. The good news here with Manaya, though, is that he is due up to face the Tigers in Detroit uh, over this weekend. So, I'm even if you're not somebody who's a big Manaya fan, that's going to be a great spot to stream in Detroit. He's only 36% rostered right now in Yahoo leagues. I think that he makes a lot of sense. I think he'll be getting the ball Friday at Comerica. Somebody that I would consider adding up for sure. Uh, James Outman, I think he's still undervalued. When I put these notes out on Friday night, he was 55% rostered in Yahoo leagues. He's up to oh, he's up to 70. People are starting to come around for sure. Uh, he's hit a couple home runs over the weekend. He's batting 296, three homers, and a stolen base. I got him in one draft and hold. I'm very happy that I do have him. I, I think you'd go you'd go get him while you still can, right? He's crushing it in the middle of a strong lineup. He's giving you power. He's giving you speed. All told, he's been fantastic. I think there is still room for him to move up farther in that lineup, too. First few games of the year, he was eighth, and then he was seventh. He's batted sixth a couple times. I wouldn't be shocked if we see him batting cleanup or fifth on this team before before all is said and done this year. I'm a big fan of what Outman has done so far, and he's still available in far too many leagues. Even at 70% rostered, we're getting to the point where it's where it should be, but it should probably still be up into the 80s somewhere. So go get James Outman if you need a little outfield help because he's not going to be there uh, for that long, I don't think. Miles Straw is the next guy we're going to talk about here. I'm just not a believer. Uh, I believe I mentioned this on the show last week at some point as well. <coughs> Excuse me there. In a year where stolen bases are up so much, rostering a guy who is pretty much strictly for steals does not make a lot of sense to me. Miles Straw has almost no power. Uh, he went all of last year, did not hit a home run. That is frighteningly bad for fantasy. You know, his runs and RBIs, I mean, the runs were okay last year at 72. But he literally had 32 RBIs last season. Yes, the steals are good, but it comes at the expense of batting average, home runs, RBIs. You might get some decent runs, but at the same time, he's like solidified into that 8-9 spot in the Guardians order. I'm not there. I am not even close to being there to adding Miles Straw. Even though he's at the 62% rostered in leagues, there's, there's enough stolen bases this year where you don't need to, to knock yourself down and have a guy like Straw or a guy like Birdie. We talked about this last week when I had Ariel Cohen on the show. Uh, the ATC projections creator, we were talking about, you know, is it viable in a year where there are so many steals to have a guy on your team who is just stealing bases? We both kind of agreed it's probably not. You know, you can get them from other sources of other guys who are going to do more for you. They're not going to steal as many bases as Miles Straw, but great production and in the other categories to go along with 10 steals or 12 steals versus absolutely nothing to go along with 25 steals. I'm taking the 10 steals. Uh, you know, I'm taking roughly those 10 steals that you'd get from the other guys that are going to be available. 
a lot of guys are going to get you five, ten steals this year, and they're going to be doing it with a lot more uh, going on in the background than Miles Straw. So I'm not there yet. He's at the bottom of the order. He's a hot ad, but I'm just not really there outside of your deeper leagues. 15-team leagues, sure. No problem with Miles Straw, but we're talking 10- and 12-team leagues here. He's not really somebody that interests me at all. Josh Rojas, still looking like a solid ad in daily changes. He's most of the time, I think all of the time this season so far, has led off against right-handed pitching. Uh, Or, yeah, he has, actually. That's going to change the streak tonight. He's going to be batting second. But he's been mashing whenever he's been in the lineup this year. He's 10 for 24, a couple of stolen bases. He's got eligibility at second and third. And we know from our offseason previews and reviews and everything else, second base and third base suck. When you can get a guy like Rojas, who's going to be, you know, especially in your daily changes leagues, you plug him in there when he is at the top of the lineup, when he's playing, because he hasn't been playing against lefties. Uh, He might have had one start this year against lefty, but I don't even think so. You plug him in against righties, which is going to be about 80-plus percent of the time. You're getting a leadoff hitter who has good speed with a little bit of pop, good batting average all around. He's not hurting in any category. I think Josh Rojas should be on many more rosters than Miles Straw at this point. I think he's much more valuable but I don't think the rest of the public has really seen it to this point for whatever reason, and maybe it's because he sits the odd day. I I couldn't tell you, but I'd be going and adding Josh Rojas wherever you can. I think he is an awesome, awesome piece in daily changes, and even in any league, but specifically in daily changes leagues, I think Rojas is going to do a lot for you. Isak Paredes, we're going to talk about him, and then we'll move into Sunday's notes. I think he could end up being, you know, I don't know about a must-roster player, but I think he could end up having a lot of value. We saw it last year. So far, he's 8 for 28, a couple of home runs, 9 RBIs. He's in the middle of that Tampa lineup pretty regularly. He's bounced around from the 3rd spot to the 5th spot. He's batting 7th today, but he has been typically in the middle of that order. He's eligible at 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, and he's another guy that makes sense in daily changes leagues, I think. I think he's like on the edge of maybe being a 12-team guy. I think he's definitely there in 15s. In 12s, though, with that kind of versatility position-wise, in the middle of a great lineup, uh, I think Paredes makes a lot of sense. I, I really do. He's somebody where, again, I don't think he'll ever be a must-roster player. But at the same time, he can give you a 20-home-run season, like we saw it last year, and only 330 at-bats. The batting average wasn't there, but he doesn't need to do too much with the batting average. We can give you... Solid home runs and counting stats and maybe give you like a 250 batting average. He'd be a guy who's probably a must roster. And I say probably, I hesitate a little bit in that to say he's going to be a must roster player, but all the pieces are there. Good eligibility and a good lineup, uh, you know, good pop. I think it's probably worth taking a chance on in a 12-teamer. Again, not a must roster player, not a must add, but an interesting guy to keep an eye on for sure. Let's move into Sunday's notes now. We're going to start off with Chris Bubich. I believe it's Bubik. Bubich. I'm actually not sure. I've heard it pronounced a couple ways. I think it's Bubich. Uh, K-R-I-S-B-U-B-I-C, if there's any confusion. Confusion. Listen to me. Confusion. Uh, he is a pitcher for the Kansas City Royals. He's been really good to start the year off, specifically yesterday against the Giants. He gave you six shutout innings, nine strikeouts. Hit a 43% CSW, called strikes plus whiffs, and a 25% swinging strike rate. Both of those metrics are absolutely absurd, specifically the swing, oh, both of them, really, but specifically the swinging strike rate. He is somebody who's got a lot of interest in terms of the advanced uh, analytics community because he has changed uh, something to do with, with one of his pitches. I'm so bad with that particular kind of analysis. <clears throat> 
He's changed something to do with one of his pitches. It has more more run to it or something. Again, that's the stuff that you listen to, like, Eno Saris talk about and guys who are a lot smarter than me go through um, the, the specific pitches and their values a lot of the time because those guys truly are a lot smarter than I am. But there was something to do with one of his pitches, and I want to say uh, was it a change-up? I think it might have been a change-up or a cutter. I think maybe the cutter uh, that is now just knocking guys out of the ballpark in the opposite sense of what that usually means. He's been fantastic. He was a very popular ad in free agent runs last night and fab bidding last night's. Last night's. I can't speak today for whatever reason. Uh, Last night, he was a very popular ad. Some people spending as much as a couple hundred dollars, 150 or so, out of their $1,000 season budget on him. Now, I think that might be a little bit much. But at the same time, uh, when somebody flashes you know, what he had showed yesterday against San Francisco, it makes you think maybe he's different than what we've seen in the past, which has been awful, awful pitching, uh, at, you know, mediocre at best. And even then, we're talking probably I'm, I'm being too kind. He was bad. He's been bad. Uh, and a lot of people are online are saying, well, you know, he was bad. So even if he's better, he's still coming from a place of being awful. What if he's a different pitcher altogether? That's kind of what we saw last night against San Francisco that he he seems to be different. He seems to be different than what we had seen in the past. So is he going to be a must-roster player? I have no idea. It's way too soon to tell. But at this point, is he worthy of an ad in 12-team leagues? Speculative ad? Yeah. Yeah, I think he absolutely is at this point. Now, he should get the Braves next time up, which is no small feat. You probably don't want to start him there uh, against the Braves. But I think he should still be somebody that is rostered. The Braves are on a short list of teams where you wouldn't want to have him go up against them. Uh, you know, one of the top five offenses in baseball, and that's probably being conservative. I don't know if you want to put him there, but I think he is still somebody who is worthy of adding because guys like this, they flash the beginning of the year, and they're gone, specifically pitchers. You know, position players come in and out, and sometimes they're hot, and sometimes they're bad. And You know, uh, you'll get a guy like a Brian Anderson go on a, you know, a complete streak to start the year, or even an Adam Duvall or guys like that, Miles Straw, whoever. <clears throat> With pitchers, when they show you something early on in the year – Sometimes it can be very, very legit, and there are fewer of them to go around than there are your regular position players. So a guy like Bubich, I think it's probably worth uh, speculating and using an ad there if you're in a 12-team league. I don't think it'll come back to bite you so much. Again, I probably wouldn't start him this coming weekend against the Braves, but I think that for the most part, he's probably still going to be somebody who's worth an ad. Even if it doesn't pan out, you want to try and get in on those guys when something like this does happen. When I pulled together my notes last night, he was only 2% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. Got up to 5 this morning. Now he's up to 10% rostered. So get in on the Bubich train uh, while you still can because I don't think it's going to be in the station for very long anymore. Brian De La Cruz, uh, he went 2 for 2 yesterday with a couple walks. Homer, 4 RBIs. I'm not adding him up in a shallow league. I'm keeping a close eye uh, based on what we saw last year down the stretch. We know he's capable of being you know, a plus 300 hitter. He did that over the last 42 games last season. He was 310 with seven home runs. Maybe it's too small of a sample size to say he can be a consistent 300 hitter. But he's very interesting. We know if he's given regular run, he can be a great player. So he's somebody I'm watch listing for now. I'm not quite ready to jump at in a 12-team league. In a 15-teamer for sure. He should probably be a roster already. Uh, not quite there in 12s, but somebody to definitely keep on your watch list for now. 
Harold Ramirez has really been heating up over the last few games. Three homers in his last four. Definitely a deeper league target, but I think the only real thing stopping Harold Ramirez from having great fantasy value is just the playing time. If he played every single day and we knew he was going to do that, he's somebody who is not going to hurt you anywhere. He's not going to have a ton of pop necessarily. Only six homers last year, but three and 21 at bat so far. Can he push 10, 12 out of the park? For sure. Can he give you a couple steals? He did that last year. Can he maybe give you five steals? I think it's possible, considering the new rules. He had three last year. Can he give you five? I think that's reasonable. And the batting average, we know he's a guy who can hit 300. That is in his wheelhouse. He did it last season. Very good contact hitter. So I'm not there yet in the standard league. Again, a lot of these guys we're talking about today are more watchless guys. But I think Harold Ramirez, considering first base outfield eligibility, He's a very interesting guy to watch list, even if I'm not quite there yet in terms of scooping him up in shallow leagues. Logan O'Hoppy hit another home run, and if he keeps up this pace, I would not at all be surprised to see a top 10 catcher season out of him in that lineup. If everybody's healthy, wouldn't shock me at all. When I put this note up here earlier today, 25% rostered. He's up to 35%. He has been a very hot commodity. Three home runs so far. He's 6 for 25, batting 240. He's driven in nine runs as well. If you drafted a catcher that you're not happy with, say a Sean Murphy, or maybe <clears throat> maybe you punted the position altogether and you took like a Kibé Ruiz or Danny Jansen, somebody at the end of drafts where you didn't have to pay up for them, I think it makes sense to make a switch for Ohapi. He's been at the bottom of the lineup. Don't know if it's going to continue to be that way. I would expect him to move up a few rings in the order if he keeps the, uh, if he keeps bad in this way, which, you know, so early returns are very good so far with the power I'm adding him up. I think he's worthy of 12-team consideration here. One-catcher league, he's like a back-end guy. Uh, Two-catcher leagues, obviously, must roster. But even in a one-catcher league, you know, like I said, I think it's a possibility we could see him end up as a top-10 catcher if he especially gets moved up in a couple spots in the order. And maybe we see him batting, you know, maybe not directly, but within the vicinity of Trout and Otani, that would do wonders for his fantasy value. Let's talk about Bryson Stott. I liked him last year. I like him even more this year. 15 of 35 on the season. If he is able to stick in the middle of the Phillies lineup, and that's that's the big question, right? Because the Phillies do have a lot of moving parts. There's injuries right now. If he's able to stick pretty high up in the lineup, and as I say that, today he batted leadoff. So that is a great sign for Bryson Stott. <coughs> Again, I have to apologize for my cough because I have been sick for, for a while now, so apologies there. But he stole a base today. He stole a base yesterday. If he sticks at the top of the order, uh, there's no reason not to add him. Even if he's, you know, I, what I sent out this morning, if he sticks in the 5-6 hole for the Phillies, then he could be useful in all formats. Hit in every game this season. He was 46% rostered this morning, up to 49 now. People are adding him. People are taking note, and they should be. Second base, shortstop eligible player in a good lineup, especially if he's batting leadoff. I don't know how often that's going to happen. Let me take a look at their at their lineup today and see if there was something weird going on because I hadn't really gone over today's games in so much detail. Um, they moved Schwarber down to third. Interesting. Turner second, Schwarber third. I don't think that that's something they had done really much of at all so far. Um, yeah, no, this is first time of the year. Batting third for Kyle Schwarber. Maybe they're just trying to jumpstart something in him. Whatever it is, we will take it with Bryson Stott batting at the top of the order. I'd be adding him up right now. Uh, in Yahoo leagues, he's going to push up over 50, maybe even close to 60% of leagues. I don't know if it'll even stick him leading off, but it doesn't have to. Like, that's just an added. I didn't even know that before I started recording here that he was leading off. I haven't watched. I've been busy today. I haven't been able to watch any of the baseball going on. 
that is awesome. So definitely go take a look at Bryson Stott, especially if he sticks in that leadoff role. Uh, he could be a huge, huge value. Will Myers. Uh, I am not interested in Will Myers anymore. I had very limited interest going into the season. Uh, you know, it was pretty much just the fact that he was going to be playing in Great American Ballpark, and we all kind of got very excited thinking of Brandon Drury. He's been brutal. He's 5 of 27, hasn't hit a ball out of the yard yet, only one RBI. I don't think there's any need to hold Will Myers. You know, he's kind of past the peak anyway, and we were kind of hoping for a, a revitalization this season. I just think there's plenty of better options out there. He was on 37% of Yahoo rosters this morning. He is now at 35, and I think that that number will just keep going down. You know, every year we kind of try and find somebody in Cincinnati who's going to just rake. And I think this year <clears throat> he was kind of the preseason choice of a lot of different people, a lot of analysts. But I don't think that it really uh, was necessarily warranted considering the track record. It was all about the ballpark. And I think we might have put too many eggs into that particular basket. So ready to drop Will Myers wherever you have him. Maybe in a 15-teamer you hold on because uh, it's kind of hard in 15s to get at bat. Sometimes you got a warm body in a lineup. Maybe you don't bench him there or drop him there. But in a 12-team league and a 10-team league, <clears throat> I am not holding on to Will Myers anymore. All right, this is one where you, you know I'm going to be called insane for it, and I it's fully justified. But Kevin Kiermeyer has looked really good at the plate so far. I know I'm a little bit biased towards Toronto players in general, but Kevin Kiermeyer is 12 of 30, has a 400 batting average, driven in four runs, and he is uh, sorry, he's driven in five runs and he scored four runs himself. I don't think that he is going to end up as a standard league guy, probably, but we know there's some speed in there. We know. There is some pop in there. He's got 15 home run season in the past. He's still in 20-plus bases in his career. <clears throat> and it's he's a 249 career hitter. I don't think that he is somebody who's going to blow up this year. In fact, I can almost guarantee you he won't. <coughs> but will he be a back-end guy in a 12-team league? I think he might be. And again, I will apologize because I'm just trying to get through the show here uh, with the coughs going on. i got a cup of tea beside me. Uh, but definitely still feeling under the weather, so I apologize there. Kiermaier is playing most days in the outfield for Toronto. Again, this is not somebody where I'd be going and adding him up. He's on 3% of rosters. It's gone up 1% overnight. I like him. Um, I wouldn't be adding him up. He is somebody to just watch. He could surprise a lot of people this year. That's all I'm saying. Uh, you know, There's not one league where I'd recommend going and getting him right now outside of an AL-only league. But... Just keep an eye, you know, if he gets a little bit of pop in that bat, like we've said, 15 home runs in the past, double-digit home runs a few times. We know there's some speed there. He hasn't stolen a base yet. If he's healthy in that lineup, even if it's ninth, uh, there could potentially be some be some play. And, you know, I feel like I'm crazy even saying that, but we have to just kind of wait and see with Kevin Kiermaier. He's looked very good so far is the main point I'm trying to get across. So just keep an eye on him. Garrett Cooper for the Marlins. The only thing really stopping him from putting up a great fantasy season is his health. He has good power. You know, he has double-digit home run potential, and he can hit 300. I think very easily Garrett Cooper can hit 300. Uh, he's somebody we've seen several years in the past where he's batting 280. Uh, you know, I, I'm interested. I'm very interested. I don't know, again, if I'm interested to the point of adding him up just yet. He's a 12-team watch list guy for now. Um, but, you know... I think that there's there's a lot more to him than a lot of people will think. He was an all-star last year, and I think he was a fill-in all-star. But he's just really, truly suffered from a lack of stability on the field from being healthy. Uh, you know, I phrased that poorly, but you guys know what I mean. He hasn't been healthy, only played 119 games last year, and that was his most he's ever played. 
We're talking about a career 276 hitter. He's given you multiple years in the 280s. 107 games in 2019. It was 15 home runs. 2019, understandable to throw that away. Let's even just prorate what he did last year. 119 games, nine home runs. You're probably talking about a 15, about a 15 home run pace over the course of a whole season. Going along with good batting average, probably decent counting stats. Not going to blow you away, but decent counting stats in that lineup. I think that there is going to be some interest for Garrett Cooper. He's only 8% rostered right now, but he has been very, very strong. So just somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, he's batting 310 so far this year. A couple of dingers. Definitely somebody that I will be keeping an eye on. One more guy we'll talk about in terms of the notes. That's Anthony DiSclefani. He's been off to a great start. 12 innings pitched, 6 hits, 1 earned run. 11 strikeouts, no walks, and he has won both of his games so far. Now, I'm the only reason I really mentioned him, I don't think he's going to be a must-roster player at all, but like we mentioned earlier with Shamanaya, the Giants are going to be going into Comerica. So, this Lafani makes for a really nice little stash if you can use him, or, you know, if you can afford to do that, stash him throughout the week, and then you get a nice start against the Tigers that should be on Saturday. Definitely got interest in Anthony DiSclefani for this weekend. In terms of going forward, He's just a year removed from having a pretty good fantasy season. Last year, he was injured a lot. Hard to really evaluate him properly in 19 innings. They were bad 19 innings, but still hard to evaluate him. I'm not at the point where I'd say, yes, go and add him everywhere, other than for a stream, and then you'd probably drop him again. But again, he is somebody where in 2021, he was a really, really strong fantasy asset, even in shallow leagues. So somebody to keep an eye on for sure, again, I don't know exactly how to feel about DiSclefani. I don't think that there's tons of upside there, considering there's bad defense behind him. The team isn't that great. But for sure, worse, uh, at minimum, he should be somebody that is added up ahead of that start against the Tigers. He's gone up from 27% rostered to 49% rostered in Yahoo leagues. Definitely somebody to go take an eye on or keep an eye on uh, for this weekend series. I've already added him in one spot. I would recommend doing the same, you guys, if you can. Now, let's talk a little bit about a couple of two-star pitchers. And honestly, it's not a good week for two-star pitchers. Uh, you know, our, our good friend who works at the site here, Michael Fisher, put out his article that when went out, was it Saturday? No, it would have been yesterday morning, Sunday morning, uh, his two-star pitching article. And there are some decent options. You know, we put out that article every single week. We're going to talk about some of the options. For the most part, though, there are a lot of aces who have two starts, and then there's a lot of not great guys with two starts. So just listen to the aces that have two starts this week. Garrett Cole, Sandy Alcantara, Aaron Nola, Corbin Burns, Luis Castillo, Shane McClanahan, Scherzer, Julio Urias, Shane Bieber, Cease, Gallen, Valdez, Alec Manoa, Pablo Lopez, you Darvish. I could keep going. There are there's just so many aces that have two-star weeks. They kind of dominate the conversation. One guy I'm looking at, and it's not going to apply to you in a lot of leagues. He's already been added up. He should have been added. He should have been drafted, honestly. Grayson Rodriguez. He's going to get a two-stepper this week. Very good matchups, too. Oakland at home and then at the White Sox. 75% rostered is not 100% rostered. One out of four leagues he is available. Maybe it's more shallow leagues. Regardless, you want that two-step. You want one of them against Oakland for sure. And even the second one against the White Sox does not scare me that much where I wouldn't want to add him up for a two-step. Considering the opponent in that first game, even if you don't want to use him for the second one, hell, pick him up and use him tomorrow against Oakland, and he'll be on your team probably the whole year based on what we saw. I'm projecting a little baby too much at this point, but I liked a lot what I saw outside of that first inning where he was very shaky. I'm a big fan of Grayson. I have him drafted and started this week in, in weekly lineup locks. I have him started in a lot of leagues, and I don't think there's a reason why he should be available in, in really any of them at this point. 
The only other two starter that I'm kind of considering a little bit, and the first one was today, is tonight, uh, Steven Matz. But even then, at Colorado versus Pittsburgh, it's it's honestly really not a good week for for your average Joe kind of two-starter guy. Matt Manning, tomorrow if you're thinking about adding up a two-starter and you say, I don't care, Joe, how, how bad it is, I need the volume. Matt Manning tomorrow against Toronto later in the week, San Francisco. Eh. Mitch Keller tomorrow, likely added in your league already, but I don't know if you'd even want to use him here. You likely don't. Going to face Houston at home and then at St. Louis. It's very risky stuff. Luis Sesa for Cincinnati gets Kyle Wright and the Braves to, uh, tomorrow and then Aaron Nola and the Phillies later in the week. It's brutal. Like there's there's no there's no give in the two start options here to make you say okay this is a decent one and then a bad second one or whatever. They're mostly just two bad opportunities here, uh, two very strong opponents where you wouldn't really want to be streaming anybody in. So like I said off the top of the show, I'm not really going to be using an ad tomorrow unless you're picking up Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, you know that's totally justifiable. He should have been drafted. I think he shouldn't be available anywhere. Only in 75% of leagues is he rostered, so I will bang my head against the wall as I say, go and pick up Grayson. You know, he should shoot up well over 80% as people start to realize tonight and tomorrow as you're listening that, oh shit, Grayson Rodriguez is starting in Oakland tonight. I'm totally there. I've been sold since the preseason. Obviously, it was a little shaky uh, for a couple weeks there when he got sent down, but all looks to be well and right in the world. He's somebody that I would absolutely must start option tomorrow, so see if you can get him. There's only one other guy, and I don't believe that he will get a two-step. Maybe he will, and I'm not even sure I would necessarily want to use him uh, in a two-step. He's a little bit volatile, but the only other guy that I would even consider using tomorrow would be Chris Flexen. He's going into Chicago to face the Cubs, and so far this year, Chris Flexen has been very good. Now, you just have to kind of understand that you're not getting strikeouts. He's just Last year, he had 95 strikeouts in 137 innings so far this year. He's thrown nine innings. He has five of them. He's done very well against Cleveland and against the Angels. That's why I am interested in him because he is somebody where he doesn't have to necessarily strike out a ton of batters. Like last year, his ERA was 3.73. He is capable of giving you something like that. It's just without a lot of strikeouts. So if you're going to stream and you're not getting Grayson, uh, it's probably Chris Flexen. And just you got to remember, you're not getting a lot of strikeouts with that stream. It's more hoping for a W, hoping for some good ratios. And maybe you throw in a couple of chip-in strikeouts, but it will not be anything crazy. No double-digit strikeout games are coming from Chris Flexen anytime soon. But guys, that will wrap it up. I appreciate you guys kicking off your week, hanging out with us here. You can find me on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. I'll answer every one of your questions on there. Well, maybe the odd one will slip through the cracks. We've been kind of busy over the last couple of days with the questions on Twitter. The feed has gone kind of nuts with the baseball season back. I'll do everything I can to answer your questions. The DMs are open, as always. And, of course, go check out Ethos Fantasy BB as well, E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. We post all of our new shows there, different links, every bit of news and notes that we have out on the site as well. Every bit of our content at Ethos Fantasy BB and at the source at sportsethos.com. Guys, that will wrap it up. We will see you again tomorrow. We'll look back on Monday's games. We'll talk about some streamers for Wednesday. We'll do news and notes. You guys will get the hang of it if you weren't here last year about how we typically do the show. But until then, guys, have a great night. Take care and see you.